the world that we're going towards is just going to be a very interconnected world where we are going to share a common culture in the near future sooner than we think because of how everything's interconnected people will be moving to different countries we would like a lot of western people are moving to asia now a lot of asians have historically speaking it's always the asians moving to the western world for a better life or whatever it is but i see a lot of like western people moving to asia and then it's going to be more and more mixed kids yeah growing up yeah. i had only a handful of friends who were mixed but now when i see like the new generation there are so mm. many mixed kids and i think there's going to be more and more of that and maybe of course we we always want to have world peace maybe the only way to really achieve world peace is that we all realize that we're all just one single race which is the human race to a certain extent i don't know maybe we need to have a common enemy like an alien invasion you're listening to the big asian energy show where every week we interview asian experts move makers and ceiling breakers to uncover their secrets of success so we can help you reach your greatest potential i'm your host john wang let's dive in Welcome, Richard, to the show, Big Asian Energy. Richard, how's it going, man? What's up? What's up? Oh, my God. This is perfect. Where are you now again? I'm in Vancouver right now, Canada. So the time difference is definitely interesting. <laughs> You're huge in the Philippines. Before we dive into your background, you've obviously been on Pinoy Big Brother. You've got TV shows, personality, tons and tons of different modeling, acting, all these different things. And now you're running a business. What is like your main thing? right now that you're most excited and focused on? Oh my God, wow. John, that is a very interesting question. Because I don't honestly don't know what a main thing is because sometimes I'm doing so many things. Like I started as a model and then I eventually somehow seven, eight years later, here I am running a business, which is uh, 28 Squared Studios. So my main thing, I guess now is being the CEO of 28 Squared Studios. But at the same time, I'm still trying to maintain a lot of like on-cam stuff, like being in front of the camera because it's something that I fell in love with because growing up i was never the type of person that wants to be in front of the camera i'm always camera shy i'm always afraid of public speaking if you ask any of my friends like any of my friends growing <laughs> up until this day they would be like oh my god richard i still can't believe you're on tv i still can't believe you to do public speaking i can't believe you did a ted talk yeah. it baffles them until this day so what's my main <laughs> thing now to answer your question i still like creating yeah. content online but yeah. at the same time i'm like running a business like mm. two main jobs in a way. And that was something that you started with, right? Because when you first started, you were thinking about going to business. Yeah, correct. My family background, just to share with you, John, is I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and businessmen and they're basically traders. Typical mm. Chinese Asian family, I guess, because <laughs> my grandfather moved to the Philippines in the 19, I think, 40s to pursue to do business. My dad went to Hong Kong to also do business, to trade. So me, I moved back to the Philippines and when I was 18 because he wanted me to study here in the Philippines and then get to know the people and eventually do business. Everything was going according to plan for the first two years. But on the third year, for some reason, I got discovered to do modeling. I got discovered to then go on TV. <laughs> I'm just performing on TV. I was singing a song, which again, you ask any of my friends, no one would think that I would be singing on TV, acting on TV, and doing all that. <laughs> Hence why all my friends, when they found out that, oh my God, Richard, you're doing performance now, you're doing acting, they was like, oh my God. I remember back in the day, we used to cheat in music class together just to make sure we get that passing grade and yeah here you are 
Hey, what's your question again? <laughs> See, this is completely <laughs> different from who I used to be. Like, I wouldn't talk. Like, I wouldn't talk at all. My original question was coming into a business background. Like, your dad was a businessman. Your grandfather was a businessman. I'm guessing they all expected you to go into business, right? Like, you expected you to go into business. How did you get spotted? How did you get picked and then suddenly go, yeah, this is who I am now. I'm now going to be a, an actor, <laughs> performer. <laughs> to answer your question... How did it start? I guess it started because I used to be very club active, nerdy, but also fun at the same time because that morning club used to organize the biggest college parties. So yeah. I was very <laughs> active in that sense. But because the executive committee during that time did not want to give me the position that I wanted because I wanted to get that position with my then girlfriend. And they think that there was some sort of conflict of interest where we would have too much power. Oh, my God. This was so political. Oh, no. <laughs> so I was like, hey, you either take both of us or I'm not taking this role because they were offering it to me only. So I was like, OK, you either take both of us or you, do or you don't get any of us. And it's some sort of mm -hmm. power play or whatever it is. Yeah. So eventually I was like, OK, I'm going to get the hell out of here. Get the hell out of here. I was like, oh, my God. Now, what do I do in my life? Because. There's a hole that I want to fill in this life because I used to spend so much time, like every time after school, I would go hang out there to make friends. You know how it is in politics and even in the school level, you got to mingle the people, be visible. And that was like my first taste of politics. Ah, okay, that's how politics actually like, you got to be visible. So I was always in those activities. So yeah, all of that. So imagine all that gone. Like my life back then was school, studying, or that. All that's gone. Networking. Exactly, exactly. Hmm. So then I realized that I need to find something to fill that hole. Okay, that sounds wrong. <laughs> Spiritually, time-wise. So then, and then I remember I had a friend who, her name was Patch. She used to model for an agency. Coincidentally, she eventually turned out to be Miss International Philippines 2016, I think. But she's a lawyer now and all that. Super cool. Her name is Patch Magdanong. But yeah, she was with an agency. She said, hey, Richard, you already model for a lot of like school events, school publicity materials. You ever want to try modeling for money, like professionally? At first, I thought of some shady business, like model professionally. Are you trying to sell me out to whatever? <laughs> I don't know what it is. But oh, no, this is all legitimate. I'm like, okay, let's see. Why not? I went to the agency. They were like, hey, you're a good looking guy. We'll take some photos of you. We'll send you to casting. That's how they sent me to castings. I was in a couple of castings. I was like, oh, okay, this is interesting. I have to line up with a bunch of people who look like me, but clearly I'm the best looking here. No, I'm kidding. Clearly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I went to castings, all that. But oh my God, like castings were hard. I remember my first two, three castings, four castings, fifth castings. I didn't get anything. I thought this was supposed to be easy. I thought I'm the best looking guy here. Why didn't I get anything? So Patch was like, yeah, it's okay. That's how it is. In modeling, they have a certain mold. They want some sort of look already. They don't exactly want the best looking guy, but they just have someone in their mind that they want to look like this for the certain commercials, for certain modeling jobs, for runways. So I'm like, ah, oh, okay. Then I guess that's how it is. And eventually, next thing I know, I got a casting to go on TV, live national TV, to be part of this song number where I'll be in the background as a model. And all I do is I'm going to hit a gong like this, like... Boom. It was a Chinese New Year opening production. The main artist will be performing and I'll just be here like hitting a gong. Boom, boom. Coincidentally, again, there was a segment on that show called You're My Foreignoi, which means foreigner that has a heart mm. of a Pinoy. So they discovered me. They were like, oh my God, okay, Richard, you're a good looking guy. Do you want to like join this competition? And at that time, I was like hesitant because I was like, 
Join right. the competition. I just want to model, get some money because I was still in college that time. I just wanted some side, you know, a little money for my then girlfriend so we would have money for dates and all that. But I was like, okay, sure, let's talk about it. They told me about the whole concert yeah. and how I have to like dance on national TV. And during that time, this was back in like 2014. And during those days, it's not cool to be famous, at least in my society or in my circle. I don't know about how it is in North America or in that's on the Western world, but in Asia, or rather in Philippines, maybe if you're in entertainment during that time, the stigma is, oh, you're not smart enough. That's why all you have to do is sell your looks on TV. You have to perform like that's like how people thought of entertainment back when they were offering it to me. I was like a little bit, I was panicking. I was like, okay, wait, what is this thing? I, I need to call my dad and call my mom and ask them what they think of mm. it. Cause they were the ones that instilled that mindset to me. Hey, if you're going to go into entertainment, that means you're not cool. You're not, well, all you have is your looks, blah, blah, blah. You're not smart. There's that thing that I want to avoid. I come from a slightly privileged family. I gotta admit like we're okay. We do okay. Mm. So I just have to like make sure I protect my family's images and all that also. Yeah. Therefore I, I talked to my mom. I talked to my dad. I called them up first. And my dad was like, surprisingly, he was like, hey, go for it. That's really? It. What? Completely did not expect that at all. I called them for them to like talk me out of it. Like my dad was like, hey, honestly, this is once in a lifetime thing. Who knows where this is going to take you? Go for it. If it fails, you can always do business and come back with us. There's nothing. Go take that. Go take that 10K. Like pesos. Sorry. We're talking about pesos, not 10K USD. If it's USD, I'm like, hell yeah. But that time, that 10K, I remember, was a lot of money for me. I can bring my girl out for a lot of dates. I was happy with that. <laughs> and dad was like, yeah, just go for it. My mom, though, on the other hand, she was like, no, this is showbiz. You're exposing yeah. yourself to the world. You're going to be a laughing yeah. stock. You're going to be dancing. You're not a dancer. Why would you do this to, to yourself? Why would you make it, take a mickey? Is that what the British term yeah, is? Yeah, 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 I was quite torn. I, got, I have to give my dad credit. I was surprised that he said yes. And then eventually I remember my then girlfriend also said, that, hey, don't do it. To put yourself in that level. Yeah, just stick with modeling and see how things go. But eventually I, I remember one of the reasons why I moved to the Philippines anyway was because I wanted to leave my comfort zone. Like I could have easily mm. stayed in Hong Kong, but I decided, you know what? I want to take a leap of faith, try to do something different. And I remember that mindset quite vividly until this day that it was that quote, life happens after you leave your comfort zone. And mm. that was the reason why I moved to the Philippines. And that was the reason exactly why I decided to say yes to that competition. And probably honestly, until this day, one of the best decisions I've made in my life because it led me to talking to John Wang right now. <laughs> so, of all the things, you know. I just got a list of your awards over here. So there's a number of different stops, speaking of which you became an ambassador for Smart Telecom. You end up being brand ambassadors with a bunch of different from Marvel and Disney and all these companies, right? Huge company, McDonald's, Adidas, Samsung. But the one I got to ask is explain Candy Magazine's list top 20 candy cuties. Oh what, my God. <laughs> what is the candy cutie? So there was a magazine here in the Philippines called Candy Magazine. I think it's still around, but it's no longer like a print thing. It's like online now. So Candy Cuties, historically speaking, is a collection of like teenage boys <laughs> that the magazine features every single year. Oh um, I was chosen oh, to be one of those quote unquote cuties. I remember my then girlfriend was saying like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm dating a Candy Cutie because growing <laughs> up, I've always had these magazines and I used to like... I don't want to say fantasize, oh, but like I used to always dream about <laughs> dating one of these boys and here I am dating one. So it's yeah, just dude. funny how it was. And 
it was my first taste of, I guess, some sort of yeah. quote-unquote mini fame, I think, yeah. if you can call it that way. Yeah. And having girls scream your name when you walk out and all that. So I was like, or being recognized maybe even. So I'm like, oh, okay, this is interesting. This is something new. Never expected this. But yeah, that's what they called candy cuties back then. Your parents were ethically Chinese. The recognition show, there's the word foreign in it. So in a lot of ways, did you feel like a foreigner at all while you were in the entertainment industry? It's an interesting question because uh, to be honest, growing up, I've always felt like I was a foreigner. And the funny thing is, in Hong Kong, people recognized me as a Chinese person. But they don't recognize me sometimes as a Hong Konger. Because Hong Kong people or Hong Kongers, we value you being born in Hong Kong more mm. than anything. I'm always stuck in between. Mm. I classify myself as a Hong Konger for sure. But we in general feel like if you're born in Hong Kong, you're Chinese, then you're a real Hong Konger. But if you're like a mm. Chinese person that grew up abroad, or was born abroad, you're like a... A little bit of a Hong Konger, but not exactly. But that's how most of the people feel. And so growing up, and not to mention I was born in the Philippines, so I'm technically Filipino. I used to feel like I'm an outsider. Like growing up, I remember I used to even hide the fact that I was from the Philippines. And that's something that I hate myself for doing because like right now I'm proud. I'm very proud. But growing up, because there's always a stigma with Filipinos and all that in Hong Kong. And I felt bad now looking back that I used to hide it. And right. here in the Philippines... It's the other way around. Filipinos really value the blood, the bloodline. Filipinos, if I'm not mistaken, value blood a lot more. I think there's a law that if you have Filipino blood, you can apply for a Filipino passport. Me, because technically speaking, I was born in the Philippines to Filipino parents who are Chinese Filipino rather. When I was mm -hmm. born, my dad was already Filipino. My mom was already Filipino. My grandparents, yeah. all four of them were already Filipino. Yeah. Therefore, I am actually a natural-born Filipino, which means I can run for office if I want to one day. I can run for president I, one I, day if I want to. That's how Filipino I, I technically that. am. President Richard. Yeah, oh, I my God. <laughs> I, I want to keep that option open for me one day. But as of now, my image here in the Philippines is people think I'm too foreign. A lot of people know that I have a Filipino passport. I'm natural-born Filipino. But yeah. not everyone knows that. They still see me so that, as, oh, Richard, the Korean-looking guy. That's what I want to ask, right? That's such an interesting thing for me. You were born in the Philippines. Your parents are Philippines. You have a Filipino passport. You went to school. You're there now. How are you anything but Filipino? And that's, that's what is so fascinating. Like this foreigner, I'm like, what? Dude, you're Filipino. Isn't that? Do you identify exactly. as a Filipino, right? Yeah. Now more than ever, I think I really do identify myself as a Filipino for sure. I'm 100% Filipino, but I'm 100% Chinese too. That's how I see it. Um, yes, by blood, I am 100% Chinese. But by what I am and who I am, in a way, I'm 100% Filipino. But at the same time, I'm 100% Chinese. But at the same time, culturally speaking, because I studied in like a couple of international schools growing up. So yeah. I went to a Canadian international school. So I have a little bit of North American in me. I yeah, went yeah. to four years of high school in a British school, island school yeah. in Hong Kong. So I have a little bit yeah. of British in me. And of course, <laughs> Hong Kong. Because we're both Chinese here. We all have very different yeah, yeah. cultures in different parts of China. Hong Kong is very different from, let's say, northern China or even like southern China or even Shanghai. It's so different. So I have so many things in me where I know that people call me a third culture kid, technically, which is, I'm glad there's this term because we're exposed to so many different cultures. And not to mention Hong Kong is a melting pot of like different cultures. I have friends who are from like South Africa. I have friends who are from Germany. I have friends who are from different parts of the world. 
And of course, I take a little part of everything from them. And not to mention, like, we live in a world right now where we consume so much Western media that mm. in a way, all of us are some sort are somehow Northern American too. Especially in the Philippines. Yeah, oh my God, that's something to yeah. talk about too. Because in the Philippines, we all huh. know English. So a lot of us consume Western media and a lot of like Western media right. philosophies are instilled in Filipinos. And that kind of is another topic to talk about because we're a third world country technically, but we're taking a lot of like first world Western media in us where we believe mm. we're taking a lot of like their beliefs into us, which kind of affects how Filipinos think. But again, that's a whole different topic that we probably mm -hmm. should not discuss because that's a bit sensitive for now. <laughs> but I want to follow that thread. I think what you said is so right. I'm a third culture kid. And as you said, right, the show is called Big Asian Energy because and when I first started creating it, I'm like, what defines Asian? And that's like a tough question, right? Because if you're in Asia or if you've ever been to Asia or you've hung around Asian people, we're all like staunchly like, hells yeah, we're Asian. And also we're Chinese or Filipino or Korean. There's such a different cultural diversity. Yes, honestly, there are just so many different types of Asians out there. And I don't even think that we should be lumping all of us together somehow. There's a whole Venn diagram of like <laughs> different Asians. And there, we have yeah. a lot of common similarities and a lot of different stuff. Oh, yeah. But like we have a whole chunk of completely diverse and different cultures. Like just China alone is massive. What do you define to be Asian first and foremost? I know it's impossible to, but what do you think of when you think Asian? <laughs> I personally feel I am definitely 100% Chinese, but at the same time, also 100% Filipino. Because culturally, for my family, we've been doing so many like Chinese cultural stuff. We celebrate, let's say, Chinese New Year. We celebrate Mooncake Festival and all that. But at the same time, we do a lot of Filipino stuff too, like a lot of Filipino culture stuff. For example, we just had what we call Undas. It's on November 1, a thing where Filipinos go visit well, the cemeteries and all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So... I feel like there's so much Filipino culture and also in us as Chinese Filipinos, we already have our own identity too, which is mixing like Hokkien Chinese and also Filipino. I feel like I'm a little bit of everything, and mm -hmm. but I definitely identify myself as a Filipino 100% and also 100% Chinese and also 100% Hong Konger. And I want to follow that thread for a second here because you work a lot with international brands, right? And a lot of them are Western. We're looking at companies like Armani Exchange, Boss, Coach, McDonald's. Like you went to international schools. There's a lot of Western identity in you. Do you ever see any conflicts between the East and the West in your environment? We talk about terms like internalized racism, for example, or like cultural comparisons. Do you ever see that in the work that you do? I think honestly, like until this day, living in Asia, I've been living here for the last three decades, like I'm 30 now. And until this day, there's still a lot of that type of internalized racism here in Asia, for sure, in the sense that the Western stuff is always better. Like a lot of people still prefer the Western world. But of course, a lot of that has changed in recent years. And I'm so happy to see that, especially because of the whole Korean wave, I would even say. It really changed the perception of how Asians are perceived. And I think going back, the reason why we have that internalized racism, a lot is because of the Western media, 100%. Like, we've always been the butt of the joke. Like, we've always been the one that, that's always a sidekick or be always the nerd that's just in the mm. background. Us in Asia here, consuming those types of movies, those types of TV shows, it makes us feel like, oh, okay, we're not as cool as probably being a white person. So that's why I still think that growing up, seeing all of that, like it's rare to see like a 
Asian lead. And I'm glad to see we had a whole Asian cast with Crazy Rich Asian being such a huge Mm -hmm. success in Hollywood also. That's great. I know the counter argument from the Western world or or the white people would say that, hey, because Hollywood is made for Americans in America and for white people. For example, if you're doing a Chinese film, it's all Chinese because, you know, you're doing for the Chinese people. The thing is, Hollywood has to some sort of has to take some sort of like responsibility because they we all have to agree that their films are not just for America anymore. It's for the whole world to see. And one can argue that Hollywood got to take some sort of responsibility or accountability in a way that you're catering to a global audience. If you're going to earn like Asian money, you're going to earn money from box office from here in Asia, too. You got to take some sort of responsibility. If you're saying that you're only making American money, fine, that makes sense. You cater to your own market like us. And here in Asia, we create like Filipino films because we know it's for the Filipino markets. We have to only care about what Filipino thinks. In Hollywood, you got to think about what the whole world thinks. So hence why I'm glad to see there's a lot more diversity and all that's happening. I feel like that's a perspective that people don't seem to think about when you're in Hollywood. The Chinese, because we always say, which means like you're earning Asian money. You got to take responsibility mm, there too, because you're earning right. money from that place. Unlike if you're earning money because of just in America, fine, do whatever you want. Have an all white cast for every single movie that you want. But you're earning Asian money. You got to take some sort of accountability there. And that's the perspective that I have, hence why. I'm glad that this is happening right now where there are a lot more Asian faces and all that more diversity. But ultimately, I don't even remember your question anymore. I don't know (laughs) what I'm talking about. I love that rant thing. I'm just like, yeah, go off, man. (laughs) I applaud halfway through. I was just like, yeah. Yeah, you want to earn that agency, you got to take some responsibility. I'm just nodding along. That's something that I never hear people talk about. As in, that's some sort of accountability that Hollywood has to have. Remember, internalized racism. Because of all of that happening, because the Hollywood having that Mm -hmm. impact on Asia, Asians somehow feel, okay, now we're some sort of second-class citizen too. Like, every time we're white people. Again, there's so much white privilege that happens in Asia. Like, it's insane. Like, sure, in America, yes, you hear all that privilege that they have. A lot of, like, Western countries can literally come to Philippines or come to Asia without a freaking visa. And they don't have to prove that they have money. And they can just come here and just come here easily. Here's the thing. A lot of them actually overstay and they don't even get penalized. They would just go, oh, sorry, we forgot to do this. And then usually we would just let them go, maybe like a small penalty or whatever. And a lot of them, for example, you would see nowadays what we call, I read it online, like, white beggars i think even here in asia that's what we call white people who are begging on the streets for money in asia is that what you're referring to yes and (laughs) yes they are the ones can google that up and i remember recently i saw it on tiktok there was this expat talking about like white people again i'm saying white people because they're white i'm describing them as white colored white skin yeah yeah people we're on a show called big Asian energy <laughs> if we're gonna talk about white people <laughs> to talk about white people i'll yeah. take the flack for it the first time i mentioned yeah. the show to a white friend of mine and i'm like oh i'm putting together the show it's called big asian energy the first thing is i love it that's so racist and i'm like what <laughs> racist it's not and then i'm like it's I'm like shit is this i mean am i, I, mean, I being racist <laughs> I think nowadays people are being overly sensitive, honestly, like as in like for every single thing. But that's another topic that we can talk about for another time, maybe. But going back. Yeah. So there's this talk that I saw. There is an expat that lives in Korea. They said that he saw like a bunch of white people, the white beggars. I think he was calling it. I can't remember that they are literally just holding up a, a placard that says, oh, please help fund my travel, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Yeah, please support my travel fund. I'm like, what are you talking about? They're travel homeless. fund? Yeah. For I mean, their travel fund. I'm like, holy crap. I live in the Philippines where literally every single corner, you would see homeless people knocking on doors of cars, begging for money because they're hungry. And we have these white beggars begging for money to fund their travels. 
I'm like, the audacity <laughs> to come to Asia to beg for money. Oh, man. The countries that you colonize. I'm just so casual for saying that. No, no. But I don't mind putting that up, but that's the reality of it. Like, it hurts me because I see so many people, like, here in the Philippines where every corner when you stop the car, you would suddenly have homeless people knock on your door and ask for money. And this has happened for the last 20 plus years. We live in a third world country. That's how it is out here in a third world country. It's hard out here. And if we have people come here to the country, beg for money to fund their travels, I'm like, really? The audacity to do that? It's the fact that they're not recognizing. There's nothing wrong inherently, I guess, with them traveling, but it's the inherent lack of recognition of their own privilege. And this is where this word is tough. Like, as you said, right, that word privilege gets used a lot recently. But this is a, a privilege, certainly. Like, you have the ability to go to other people's countries and travel through it ability that not all of us share, right? And Correct. to not have and take that financial Without restriction. That's it. Without restriction. Yeah. We have international borders, sure, but we don't have a cultural borders. Yeah. As you said, there's Korean waves. I listen to K-pop, BTS, I, like one of the biggest bands in the world ever. Like they broke how many different records. Yeah. And that's crazy to think about is that we don't really have limitations in these kind of storytellings or media or culture anymore. Every single culture influences other cultures. So we got to take a look at how that impacts. Speaking of TV movies, in 2018, you interviewed the cast of Avengers. Is that right? I got to interview director, yeah, Joe Russo, and Benedict Cumberbatch, and Karen Gillan. Not Iron Man, though. Not Iron Man himself. He doesn't do interviews. I don't think he does one-on-ones, yeah. I think he's too cool for that. I got to give it to him. He's too cool for that. He's way past that. He did like a press conference. He doesn't do one-on-one interviews, which I don't think I ever seen him do any one-on-one. So you've been involved in connecting all these different things with media. What was that experience like? Growing up as a third culture kid really helped me open doors to a lot of things. That's one thing I noticed in recently because I get to do all these international projects is because... I can converse with these people. I can connect with these people a lot easier because we have a shared culture to a certain extent, I would say. It's something that I only realized recently that, oh my God, it's my upbringing that was able to open doors for me to do all of these things, to be more international. It's such a nice and privileged experience to be able to talk to all these people, to hear their stories. In my biggest interviews that I really had so much fun, but at the same time was the most nerve-wracking was with Gordon Ramsay. My God, Gordon Ramsay, you see all these memes about him calling oh, yeah. people the idiot sandwich, yeah. you know, and all that. <laughs> I think that the chicken but, is wrong. <laughs> the chicken. Yeah. <laughs> but he was so nice. I was visibly nervous before the interview, and he was the one, like, telling me that, hey, this is just an interview. We're just, like, two lads talking and having fun. It helped calm me down. It's nice to see that a lot of these celebrities, not just, like, Hollywood, but also Koreans, they're all just people after all. They are nice people. It's just that... They have to have some sort of like wall or protection because a lot of people are trying to take advantage of them being popular and trying to like go for the cloud or whatever it is. At the end of the day, I feel like we're all just humans. And that's what I learned from these people that they're all very good people, but they just have some sort of wall and protection. And the reason I brought it up is because in a lot of ways, when we're taking a look at all these various inter- people you've interviewed and you've been invited by the New York Times to be a speaker at the Asia Pacific Writing Competition, all these kind of things is you are very uniquely positioned in this crossroad of East and West, right? You have this ability of navigating and going back and forth between the worlds of, and why I use the Avengers, because the Avengers, by a lot of definition, represents the epitome of Hollywood, as it is, right? Like, they they have all the biggest movies. 
So you are at this intersection and you get to see the realities of both Hong Kong, Singapore, Philippines, China, and all of Asia and all of the West at the same time, UK, New York, and LA. And I feel like, as you said, you connect so well. Like you're like, it's a very interesting perspective being at this crossroad of East and West. Very few people can share that particular experience. No matter how famous, no matter how international, like very few people can see so clearly through that. And that's why I'm poking at that because I'm curious to hear what do you see that the rest of us don't? You put into words everything that I had in my mind for the last, I don't know, five, six years of me doing all these international stuff. I feel so privileged to be in this position where I can really navigate through both worlds and be able to relate to both worlds. It's a good thing and a bad thing sometimes. Like how I see it is I'm always in between. People never know how to identify who I am. Is this guy like 100% Asian or is this 100% like Chinese or Western? Like where do I classify this person? And you're exactly right. This is the best place to be because I understand both sides of the spectrum. And hence why it makes me such a unique individual. And I'm like, oh my God, you put it into words perfectly. (laughs) And I love this privilege that I have. It's the upbringing that I had. It's me being someone that is very blessed to have exposed myself to these worlds. And also, of course, the people gave me this opportunity to be able to meet all these people too. And I have to thank them for that. And I guess what do I see that some might not see? I honestly think the world that we're going towards is just going to be a very interconnected world where we are going to share a common culture in the near future sooner than we think because of how everything's interconnected. People will be moving to different countries. We would like a lot of Western people are moving to Asia now. A lot of Asians have historically speaking, it's always the Asians moving to the Western world for a better life or whatever it is. But I see a lot of like Western people moving to Asia and then it's going to be more and more mixed kids. Yeah. Growing up, yeah. I had only a handful of friends who were mixed. But now when I see like the new generation, there are so many mixed kids. And I think there's going to be more and more of that. And maybe, of course, we, we always want to have world peace. Maybe the only way to really achieve world peace is that we all realize that we're all just one single race which is the human race to a certain extent i don't know maybe we need to have a common enemy like an alien invasion that's how we're gonna all unite (laughs) that might be the only way i don't know so maybe we should pray for an alien invasion in order to achieve world peace I, i agree with you though i think what i'm really excited by is i see so much cool stuff happening in asia and grew up here in north america and my world is very north american i feel sometimes i'm like i'm not a very good asian The most Asian thing about me is I love Asian food, but I read Chinese books. I listen to Jay Chow sometimes, but I don't keep up with all like the Chinese songs and stuff like that. I'm like, sometimes, oh man, I might be like a bad Asian. Every once in a while, like it's exactly said, watch an anime or catch a K-drama or something like that. I think what I most feel is excitement. I'm like, I'm so happy because there's just, there's an entire half of a world worth of information and entertainment and we have really good snacks. You got to admit that. Yeah. Incredibly good snacks. And all my friends are into it now. Like they're all bubble tea drinkers. I think that's what I'm most excited by is that we are seeing this cultural merging on both sides. This is something I wanted to bring up was you see this, like a lot of the things that are becoming trendy over here, even with my own friends, like yoga, meditation, kombucha. Like when you actually take a look at a lot of that stuff, there is a lot of Asian background into that Mm. buddhism for example buddhist philosophies are becoming more and more popular in western literature 
I just thought that was really yeah. cool. <laughs> it is. I personally really feel that a lot of this is happening because of technology, because being able to know and understand the other side of the world through internet. If it wasn't because of the internet with the vast amount of information you can get from it, literally, like you have the world's information on your phone right now. You can literally search up anything in this world. It's all on the internet. And I think because of that, people on the Western world are able to know about the Eastern world. That there's this thing that can do this, it can do that. Unlike back, I don't know, 20 years ago, they would just think that, oh, it's just something exotic. Oh, it's something that is different. Oh, it's something that... But in fact, now, I think that's why a lot of like Western people come to Asia now because there are just so many, like you said, I don't know. I feel like out here, we're a lot more peaceful somehow, I dare say. <laughs> a lot of things that we want to do is to find inner peace. Yeah. What's next for you? You got a production company. You're not just a creator anymore. Do you want to talk about the podcast at all, by the way? When we were sure. chatting the first time, I, I know that you just finished that one season. And are you going back to it? of the things that I have planned out for like the other types of content that I want to do. In fact, like right now, I'm trying to build an, another mini team within a company to focus on my content again because I realize that I've been slacking off with my content, to be honest, <laughs> <laughs> because I've been busy with doing the CEO stuff. And there are a couple of content ideas I have in mind that I will share with you right away if, when I start planning out for it or start shooting for it because content, I feel honestly, in the next five years will still be massive and the platforms like tiktok platforms like youtube now are trying to make it a lot more easier for a lot of creators to create and it's a great thing but at the same time i want to talk about this a little bit too i feel like at the same time it's a bad thing because back in the day everything has to somehow be certain quality when you put something out it has to be edited it has to be proofread it has to be everything and like nowadays anything that you put out there does not even have to be filtered. There are a lot of, quote-unquote, I hate using this word, but trashier content nowadays mm -hmm. that are not a lot of fake news even because none of that is proofread. None of that has been checked. Unlike back then, if anything that's on TV, it has to be regulated so that to make sure that everything you put out is, quote-unquote, facts. But at the same time, of course, the other side of the coin, people are going to say that, oh, because back then, certain people are pushing a certain agenda. It's good that people now have the power to create content for every single one to see because you can see all sides of the story. Sure, that's fair. But at the same time, you cannot deny that there are a lot of trashy contents that are not fact-checked, that are a lot of fake news that's being spread around the world. And that's because of people just throw out content that they read online that they think that it's real but it's actually not real so there's always that sort of thing that you got to find the perfect space and the perfect balance for it great there's people creating content yeah. that can spread information but at the same time is the information factual it's arguable i remember there's a quote that's always been attributed to mark twain that goes a lie travels around the globe when the tr truth is still putting on its shoes and I feel like these mm, days, that's it deep because <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. Because it takes like a 30 minute video for someone to come and myth bust or like to disprove a, a easy to believe lie. And it's just so much easier yeah. to just be like, you see something and immediately share it. And these days it just goes immediately viral yeah. and it becomes accepted as reality. It's easy to, see, to find a debunked video. It's easy to find the other posts that kind of like debunks this theory. In third world countries, since internet is limited, one person will see the fake news. They'll be like, oh, okay, this is, oh, so this is news. This is real. But then it's harder for them to find a debunked video. It's harder for them to find the other post that kind of says that, oh, this is wrong, blah, 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 blah. But again, that means the damage has been done. So that person will then spread on to the other people who don't have 
internet access at all, they'll think that it's real. And that's how fake news is spread in third world countries. I think we need to teach critical thinking at the end of the day. We need yeah. to teach the next generation how to be better critical thinkers. Look at it and go, who's saying this and why are they saying it? This just got so deep. Yeah. All right, cool. What are you most excited about moving currently that you're creating right now or that you're seeing in the world right now that you just want everyone to know about? Oh, wow. Honestly, what I'm excited about is really the life after pandemic. I'm excited to know what it's going to be like. Of course, first and foremost, like for me personally, I'm just excited to be able to travel again to go see different places around the world. I think what I'm most excited about is definitely the world opening up again, being able to travel again a lot easier, a lot more freely. Pre-pandemic, there were a lot of plans I had, which is to maybe live in, let's say, the U.S. for six months, to live in maybe like in Korea for six months. Mm. Like those were things I really wanted to do. And now I'm starting to rethink about those plans again, to consider those plans again, to see whether or not it's feasible. But again, pre-pandemic, I didn't have my company yet. So I need to think <laughs> about that clearly. Like now that I have my company, am I still able to do all of that stuff? But I think I still can. It's all about finding the perfect balance because like I said, it's really about being able to do both of these things together. I don't want to spread myself too thin. I, I believe I have a very strong, capable team right now, that a growing team rather, that's able to handle a lot of the day-to-day -day stuff. But at the same time, me being the CEO of it, like I have this vision that I want to bring the company to international. We want to be able to create content that is good for the world. Not just for the world, but good for the world. I want to take inspiration from what the Koreans are doing right now, being able to create content that's relatable to the whole world. Squid Game. Alone, oh, man. Huge, crazy success on Netflix. I want to be able to create something like that. Not exactly to that scale as a goal, but as a fantasy or a dream, that's something we want to do as a company. But I believe we have a good core team, a good strong team that we're building right now that will have the ability to create something that's also big to be able to reach the world. And at the same time, like Filipinos, we have a lot of very talented Filipinos. And I want to be able to bring some homegrown talents here from the Philippines to reach Hollywood, to Korea, to wherever it is. That's the dream and that's the goal. And I want to work towards that with my company and also myself, like me being able to see the world in a way that I had in pre-pandemic, being able to do all these international projects. I believe a lot of Filipinos also can do the same thing. And I'll see a lot of the very young talents that we're taking under the company too in the coming years. I want to be able to provide them that platform. Mm -hmm. so these are the things that I really want to do and will continue to work towards it. And I believe that doing these things like cross-country collaboration with you, for example, mm -hmm. on here on Big Asian Energy is definitely a good start, not just for me, but also for the company and also for Philippines. Thank you for this. Thank you for having me. These are the exciting things that I really look forward to, to uh, be able to do finally the world being open. Dude, I am so excited to see what you have to create. I have a feeling that, that your company and you, Richard, yourself personally, is going to become a major name over here in North America. And I can't wait to see what you create. I definitely think there's a Squid Game-like thing you, in the future. Oh, for sure, dude. Thank you so much, Richard, for once again chatting. <laughs> we talked about so many different things. I just, I loved it. Yeah, ladies and gentlemen, anyone who's listening, go check out Richard's stuff. He's all over the internet. He's just also just a ridiculously good-looking guy. Yeah, really appreciate you. Thank you. Had so much fun. All right. Hope to see you in North America very soon, in Canada, maybe. Let's do it. Let's do it. As Asian Americans, we are as strong as our collective community. So if there's something that you found valuable in this episode, share it with a friend and tag us on social media. 
And if you like the show, leave us a review and send us a screenshot and you might win some big Asian energy merch, which we give out every month. So you can go out there and own your big Asian energy.